Hey, BBK family, um, what is up? It's your girl, Judea, CEO and founder of the Black and Brown Connection. On today's episode, we have Jeremiah O'Brien, a graduate from North Fork State University, where he received his bachelor's in political science. He is also a self-published author of his first book called Prosper. So I am so excited to have him here today to talk to us a little, a little bit about that and also about his college experience and what he is doing now. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on BBK. Like, I'm super excited, super excited to talk about um, my journey with my book and uh, my journey in college. Yes, thank you so much. And I want to say, like, publishing a book, and we were just having this conversation um, while in school, is definitely <laughs> a lot. So I can't wait to get into, like, that process and, you know, how you came to think about it and even how you was able just to balance self, your mental health, like, and also your responsibilities. Um, but the first question I want to ask you is, what made you choose Norfolk State University? So, um, funny story. So, Norfolk State University, I never heard about Norfolk State until my senior year. Um, and a fun fact, I first applied to college in fifth grade. And I tell people this story. <laughs> yeah, I tell people this story um, mainly because I'm like, what are you doing applying to college in fifth grade? Um, so, I was in um, my fifth grade um, English class and my teacher at the time, Ms. Ross Messler, um, wanted all her students to take an opportunity to see if some colleges of interest would be interested in us. So she was like, choose two to three colleges um, and just reach out and see if they will return. So we developed a whole template, a whole structure. She just helped us mail um, all the schools. So I chose Howard and um, the University of Miami. Um, at the time, those were the schools that I just had interest in. So I reached out to both of those schools. Um, and of course, I didn't get in because I was in fifth grade, but um they both were interested um just to see me graduate in 2017 um so then um as i progressed throughout um fifth, after that fifth grade experience um i started just going on college tours started visiting different schools in different states um and, but it wasn't until my senior year uh, i discovered north state at a college fair and attending this college fair i remember uh, me and my twin um, joshua we were walking around we weren't prepared because we didn't know too much about college fairs, but we knew we wanted to go just to, because we knew we wanted to go to college. So we were there and we saw, behold, the green and gold. We just heard it. And we're like, what is everybody screaming for? All the rest of these tables are, you know, socially just um, keeping their uh, inside voice in. And they're just like screaming. It's a huge gym. And they're just screaming. I'm like, Josh, we got to go over there to see what's going on. And we go over there and they're like, hey, how you doing? It's just so, they're just so open and like joyous. I'm like, wow, we got some ready and geared to get students into your school. I'm like, okay. So we're talking to um, the admission counselor and they were asking us to be having transcripts, to be have, you know, um, all of the uh, materials that we need to get accepted. And we said, no, we just didn't have anything. And they were like, oh, well, if you can get, at least get your transcript or a recommendation letter in the next hour or so, then maybe we can work something out. So um, my brother was like, hey, we need to figure something out. This school looks lit. So he ran uh, to Staples and about like 45 minutes later, he didn't get the recommendation letter and he didn't get the transcript. And we were telling the mission council, like, hey, we, we couldn't get anything. I'm, I'm sorry. And we're like, it's okay. We have an open house um, in the fall. Come to the open house. So that next month, um, I remember my brother talked to my mom and was like, hey, do you guys, um, oh, well, my brother talked to my mom and was like, hey, I want to go visit North State. And he was like, uh, we have to go. We have to go. And I was like, uh, I don't really care for that for that much. It didn't really matter because um, I had my eyes set on some other schools. And um, my mom was like, no, you guys just visit together. I'm like, oh, okay. We go. 
and instantly, like the whole entire experience was probably one of the best tours I've ever been on in my entire life. And I visited like over like 20 to 50 schools, like over the course of fifth from fifth grade all the way up into senior year. So I was always visiting to colleges and universities. But that experience sparked something in me and in us that I had to go there. And um, one experience that I had was that the student ambassador that was giving the tour, um, that was something I knew I wanted to do because they were just so excited. They were so um, advocating for the university. Like they just loved it as much as, you know, seeing new students, new faces. And you don't see that all the time. Someone really, you know, standing behind their school. And I was like, yeah, I need to go there. So I remember my mom, she prayed before um, we left. And she didn't tell us that we were going to go there. She just felt like this was the place for us. Because um, I remember getting accepted on the site. And my brother, he didn't get accepted on site. Um, but they had a program that made sure that if he went through the program, he would get accepted. And um, that summer, we went through the program. That fall, we were both attending Norfolk State University. And the rest was history. We were, we were behold the green and gold to the day. <laughs> I love being a Spartan. So, um it just sparked up in us that um, that same experience, that same joy made sure that I had to extend North State University. Wow. That's so, listen, fifth grade, I would have been like, if I was on the other end, I'm like, this is so adorable. But child, you know, <laughs> you know, you're going to like about to get in. But no, I think that's dope. And from the experience of like the... Um, the ambassador, I feel like for all college tours, like whoever gives the tour basically sets what's really about to happen at the university. And I'm like, if you give, I used to be a tour guide. So <laughs> I was like, you know, there was like, you're a freshman. Why are you a tour guide? I'm like, would you rather someone who's a senior give you this tour? Or you really, mm -hmm. would you rather me give you this tour? And they was like, okay. And I'm like, exactly. And I used to like have a smile, you know, walking backwards, you know, you know, they, they used to say, if you can make the dad or the grandpa laugh, then you know that you did, did right on your tour. So mm -hmm. I was always trying to like do little jokes and stuff just to get the dads excited or cause like once you get them, like just, just, just a general like in a crowd like if a male if the male person's laughing then it's just like you did a good job because they always want the straight face they so serious mm -hmm. but yeah like he was like i came to here because you gave a great tour i'm like oh my goodness that is so good like some people don't know like you give a tour you have to give it with your heart but i always knew like i'm only gonna be a tour guide if i actually like the school because mm -hmm. you can't you can't fake you know, a tour to somebody trying to like persuade them to come to the university. So, yeah, tour guys. We had to learn like all the history of like the school, like the background of when it was founded, some of the presidents, and it was amazing because um, I know one of the people that I brought to the school. Um, he's now a part of the same fraternity that I'm in, and I just remember when he first came, his mom was like, "Yeah, I'm, we're gonna come here. Did you like the tour?" And I remember him because um, I was, a, I think I was. A, freshman or sophomore or somewhere around then um and he came and um i remember him just saying thank you like you're the reason i came here and i was just like hey like i'm a part of that and then um his sophomore year came and by that time i was a junior i believe yeah i was a junior and he expressed interest into the fraternity and i was like dang you really are like sin like you following it through and like now he's just elite I and mean, it's just like crazy how it becomes a full circle moment of the work you set out and how you know, someone can see something in you.
Yeah. And those moments are so important because you just never know who's going to follow you. Like, you just never know who's going to be right behind you just trying to be like, I want to be like that person. I want to be like that because that's how I was on campus. I saw some people who were just so amazing. And I'm like, I want to be like you. Like, whatever you're doing on campus, I want that. And I would, they'd be like, oh, Juju, do you want to help out? And I'm like, yeah, let me help out. Let me, like, let me do something with you. And then, because of like how you held yourself and how you went to this person, now somebody else is following behind you and you know how to do it. It's such a great feeling um, on college. I think, by, but I would say by my senior year, I was like, I'm kind of done touring. <laughs> I was like, I don't need another mentee underneath me. Every administrative person, there was like, if you take on another mentee, if you're going to have a problem, like they didn't allow me to like be a mentor for none of like the freshmen, my senior year. They was like, don't do that. You're good. Don't do that. Don't do that to them kids. And I'm just like, but why? <laughs> why not do it? Like, why not continue to help out? But as we, we was also talking about that, at the, um, like that too, like sometimes you have to like be a student first mm-hmm. and it was nice to know that I had people you know, administration who was like, you need to be a student first because you're doing too much already on campus. So like, how are you able to continue? Oh, sorry. How are you able to, how are you able to continue being a student first on your campus? Yeah. So, um, and that's what I was just about to say. Um, My freshman year, I was involved in probably like four different organizations. And I was just like the ambitious freshman because again, I love Norfolk State. But um, by the time my sophomore year started, um, I had just joined um, SGA and that was taking a lot of my time. So that was like five organizations. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I cannot do this. Because one thing someone said about joining organizations um, was that you can be in so many organizations. But what are you doing in those organizations? Are you effective? Are you actually producing? Are you holding a position? Which everyone, you know, may not want to hold a position. But like, are you actually, you know, going to the meetings? Are you? talking to people, are you gearing, like making sure people come after you are being as effective as you are. So I was like, all right, I'm only going to focus on SGA. And then um, another organization I was part of was the League of Extraordinary Men, which is a social organization, um, basically a, a part of like community service, helping out in different schools. Um, so I was focusing on those two and the other three. I was just like, all right, I just can't. Like, I'm sorry. I really love it, but I just can't. Um, and putting myself in position to be a student first, I had to make sure that my grades were right. So um, I had a professor who um, really was flexible with me. And sometimes I had like meetings at, during our scheduled class times. Um, but he was like, all right, well, your meeting starts at 7 and my class starts at 6.30. So you will see me at 6.30, at 715, 7.25, then you can go. And let them know if they have a problem, call me. And I was like, oh, oh, oh all right, well, okay. So it was the possibility from um, me um, being vocal to those professors or even if I had different meetings or whatnot, um, just being vocal enough to say, hey, like, I know I have class, but I also have these prior engagements and them being flexible to make sure I still had, you know, my coursework. Um, ultimately, some professors are better than others. We can definitely say that. But at the same time, the flexibility made um, the flexibility made sure that I was able to still be successful as a student. And as a student leader, because the whole dynamic is it's student before leader. So as a student, your main objective is to graduate. Your main objective is to get the work done. Your main objective is to ensure that you are producing everything you need to do to walk across that stage in four to five years, however long it takes you. You make sure you walk across that stage 
Um, and the leader portion, the other part of student leader, is to ensure that you're still being actively involved on campus. You're still, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be an organization as big as SGA. It could be something small. Um, but being as though active on campus made sure for me that I was one flexible, I was one being communicative to my professors, and I was three. I was just ensuring that I put forth all my work first before anything else. So. Yeah. And at times, did you ever feel like or was there ever a year um, from like freshman to senior year where you felt like, wow, like I feel overwhelmed, like like it's really getting to me. Like, was there ever some um, uh, semester that felt like that for you? Yes. Fall of 2019. <laughs> fall of 2019 was that semester. That was the start of my junior year. Um, I had just um, I was. Prior to that semester, I was running for SGA vice president. Um, so me and my counterpart, we lost, but I was still on the SGA cabinet. Um, I got selected for another position, but um, a lot of stuff was weighing on me um, as far as being active in a fraternity, being active in SGA, being active in my schoolwork. Um, I really saw um, the beginning part of that year kind of plummet as far as like my mental health. Um, because I was taking on a lot. I just really wanted to be involved, um, just like I was my freshman year. So I was really just trying to push myself, but really I was pushing myself over the edge. Um, and I was stressing myself out. I was um, getting tired. I would literally wake up at around eight or nine, um, go to class, after class, go to the office hours of the presidential internship. After that, um, do any fraternity work, any events that I had to attend around the seven, six, seven, between six and eight. After that, maybe do some homework. Um, and then after that, go to sleep and of course eat, but it would be all like, it wouldn't be like in like full, fulling meals. It would literally just be in between meals. So it was so consecutive, so consecutive and so structured that I didn't have time for me. I didn't have time to really just sit down and rest. I didn't have time to really relax and really gather my thoughts. It was just so repetitive that I was tiring myself out. And I remember just breaking down one day um, and in this experience um, with my internship, I remember um, the coordinator that was over it, she had uh, told me to go deliver a spoon to the cafeteria. And I was like, okay, you want me to take a spoon back? Whatever. She was like, yeah, you need to get some fresh air. It's nice outside. I'm like, dude, it's 65 degrees. It's close to cold right now. And I don't think I need any fresh air. She's like, no, just go. I'm like, all right. So I get up from the desk, walk out, um, take the elevator downstairs to the first floor, walk out the door, make a left walk to the cafeteria about um, probably like two minutes away from the building, get to the cafeteria, give them the, ca uh, the spoon, like, hey, here's the spoon. They told me to bring it. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, here's the spoon. Leave out, come back. I didn't even make it upstairs. I remember just walking through the door, making a left to the bathroom on the first floor, and I immediately like, just broke down. Like, I just immediately, like, broke down and cried. I didn't know why, but, like, I felt like everything just crashed. I immediately just crashed out of nowhere, and... Um, I remember hearing some of my peers experiencing some of those same situations where they didn't they, they didn't experience, you know, just preparing to cry or preparing to, for something to happen or something, you know, just it just happened. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'll never experience that. I, I'm, I'm on the go. I'm motivated every day. I'm going to get it done. You know, just that, that, that constant drive and success. And I remember just breaking down in the bathroom and I called my best friend. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm hurting right now. I don't know why. And she was like trying to get me to calm down. And I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I was just really just frustrated. I, I didn't understand why. And sometimes um, I look back at that as um, a motivator as to, you know, sometimes giving myself a break, 
Um, because ultimately, um, as young adults, as younger leaders, we ultimately get, you know, so in that mode of just trying to push, 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 push. And that doesn't help, you know, our At mental really like set us down, you know, and our, our bodies are really crashing us. And I was experiencing that after that, I was experiencing that, you know, here and there, um, as far as like, I would literally be working on a project or schoolwork and I literally would just go to sleep. So sleeping was my coping mechanism in college. <laughs> Um, but um, it wasn't as healthy. So um, I was really just trying to break away from that. And one of the things I did was to just give myself some rest and say, hey, guys, I, I just need a second today. You know, just just give me a second. And in that second, in that hour, two hours, whatever, I was able to kind of gather my thoughts, gather my peace. And I was able to just, you know, calm myself down. So Yeah, I've, I've experienced that as a SJA president, like, or just as, as a leader, like that moment, like you, you don't prepare for that moment to happen. You don't prepare for that moment where the tears are just starting to fall and you just like, what happened? Like, I felt like I was just smiling, conquering the world. And then I'm like in this moment where it's silence, nothing is moving, nothing's happening. And basically everything is like coming down at you at one time. Like I felt that. And I was like, I want to, I, I mean, I did cry. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to pack up my stuff. I didn't want to go to bed and just sleep and, you know, try not to get out of class. I, I Like, cause it hits you out of nowhere and you just like, and then it's like, how do I continue to go about it the next day? Knowing that, like, I just had a breakdown and I think your response of communicating with other people is, it helps, you know, mm -hmm. not holding everything. And I think as we, as leaders, if we learn how to communicate, in college, when we you graduate, we know how to communicate as well because post grad is no joke. Like mm -hmm. you know, like how do you feel after post grad? You know, we can't keep continue to bottle those things up because then we're just so codependent that we don't trust nobody, we don't talk it, we just you know. I have a conversation with myself. I give myself the answers. <laughs> I give myself the therapy, and then it's just like, but how do you? help yourself like talking to yourself 24 7 does not help yourself you're At just all. basically going around in circles with your own with your own brain and that's not healthy because then you start talking to yourself like mad crazy mm -hmm. like talking down to yourself and it's just like where is somebody else to have those conversations with you yeah so but to your community like how was there a lot of people in your community or was this just like, okay, like I trusted my, I trusted people within my SGA. I had like my brothers, my friends, like what that, what did community look like for you in college? Yeah, it was, it was really big. Um, given the fact that I was involved in student leadership and I had an identical twin. Um, so it was like, oh, he had these friends, they become my friends and my friends become his friends. And then of course we had already our friends that we walked into freshman year with. Um, but um, I think the community looked like whereas before the fraternity came on board was like just our friends from our freshman year. Some of those friends that we had um, throughout that summer bridge program that I mentioned in, before, uh, some of those people that we were talking to, some of those people we were getting to know. And then those became, you know, real genuine relationships um, and they were encouraging. Um, and I think in college, you really need genuine friends that are going to tell, you, you know, hey, I, I need you to sit down for a second. Hey, you need to give yourself a break. And um, I remember one of my friends used to say that to me all the time, like, Jeremiah, like, just chill. Like, it's okay to rest. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like, I'm in drive mode. Like I said, like, I'm in drive mode. What do you mean I need to rest? I'm like, Jeremiah, like, you could chill. 
And often I thought that was a position where they were trying to like bash me or like, you know, like attack me and say like, because I ultimately looked at them like they weren't doing anything. So like, I felt like, oh, you're just, you just want me to relax just like you because you're not doing anything. So I felt attacked. So like mentally, of course, I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't vocalize and say that to them, but like mentally, that's how I felt like, oh, you're not doing anything anyway. So like, that's why you want me to chill. You want me to relax. You want me to not produce like you. And it's like, no, bro, like you need to chill because I can see you crashing. And I remember, like I said, that that year, once I did crash and um, I saw my community kind of just look at me, just like, bro, like, come on, like, just chill, like, just let loose. And I had one of my friends, um, Dawan Davis, I just said his full name, but <laughs> Dawan, um, he was one of my friends, my like, and he's still my friend to this day. And uh, freshman year, I remember just meeting him and he was one of the people that just made me let loose, like, just literally just say, like, forget rules, of course, like, we ain't get in trouble, but, like, literally just step outside your comfort zone on the things that you want to do. And if you don't want to do anything or you feel like you don't know what to do, we'll just figure it out. we just go, like, walk somewhere over, like, a venture. And I remember one experience we had, we had found a a shopping cart one day, and uh, me, I was so structured and so, like, uniform, like I say sometimes to some of my friends, and I was just like, what are we going to do with a shopping cart? He was just like, oh, we're just going to take it and spray, spray paint it and ride it around campus. I'm like, no, I can't do that. I'm a student leader. Like, I can't be seen doing that. He's like, bro, it's chill. Like, you need a break. Like, let's just do something, like, out of the norm. So we did, and I'm like, dang, I feel great. He was like, see? So he was one of those people that made me, you know, just step outside my comfort zone. This is like, bro, it's okay to do a little thing, do things that are different. It's okay to just step out and, you know, just be you. Be comfortable in your skin. Um, one of the other struggles I had um, that my community kind of encouraged me was, you know, just dressing the part, just dressing or, you know, having that drip or that style or whatever. And um, one of my friends, he was just like, bro, like, whatever you like to wear, like, put it on. Like, you don't have to make it make sense. Of course, you, I'm not going to let you walk out here looking crazy. But, you know, like, if you like it, you know, put it on because, like, half the time, like, you sitting here going back and forth with your thoughts of like, oh, does this look like, oh, is somebody going to look at me and say this? It's like, bro, no one's really paying that much attention to if you really think about it. And I was like, oh, probably right. So then I started to just put pieces together, being creative in my own space. And I was like, dang, I feel great. And um, they were just like, see, you know, just calm down, just take a break. So ultimately, when I was progressing into leadership or like me and my brother were progressing in leadership, that was a constant reminder from my friends and my community, take rest. Take a break, Jeremiah. You don't have to do this today. You, you can relax. So um, it would be a constant reminder over and over because, like, sometimes I will, still to this day, sometimes I still feel a little attacked. But um, I've, I've geared it towards no, not attacked anymore, but as a resource. So as something, as a provider for me to say, hey, someone's watching you and they care. Someone's watching you and they 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 care, they care, but someone's also watching you and they want to see you do your best. But you can't do your best if you're hurting. You can't do your best if you don't have your breath. You can't do your best if you're not in the best position, you know, to do so. So that was always a constant reminder from my community to just rest, reset, and relax. Mm, I think that's nice because <laughs> I think for, for real because like you know some people like like in the community they they encourage you to just keep going because you know you have different people and we see it now like on social media you have like the mm-hmm. hustle culture you have like the rest culture and you're like oh what side do i really like partake in you know if i if i hustle too much then i'm not resting and if i rest too much i'm not doing it but i think it's nice to have those that community that, that allows you to have the balance of mm-hmm. both because you listen 
when we have a community, especially as student leaders, we need the people to be like, okay, do we pull an all-nighter tonight? Right. And rest tomorrow? Like, how are we going to handle it? How are we going to do it? Because we can't, you know, we can't do it ourselves. And so it's good that you had community, like, all the way through. Now, I know you talked about, like, you know, being proper. Like, were you always structured from, like, young? Or was that something that you really, like, dove into more when you was in um, college? Um, I, w- I was always structured. Um, so I've never been um, a person where um, I've been so like out, like just out and just like out the limb. I just need stuff to kind of be like organized, not so much OCD, but just really like organized and like structure. Um, because sometimes um, I felt like my brain would just kind of just discombobulate or just be like, oh, we can't do that, Jeremiah. Like there's so much risk in it. There's so much. Ah. It was just so scared and so um, just out. So um, once I got to college, um, it kind of broke off. A lot of the structure broke off. A lot of um, the scheduling and like a lot of the planning, it was more so, um, okay, we can do this this day, but we also have flexibility to do this as well today too. So um, of course I had the structure, I had the planning, I had the scheduling or whatever, but it wasn't so strenuous that it was controlling me. It wasn't so strenuous that I didn't have any like loops around my neck where it was just like, okay, if you don't do this, then you're going to fail. And it was just more so like, okay, like if I don't do it and we fail, shoot, we'll try again another day. If I didn't get it done, you know, we'll, we'll try again. Um, one thing I had to pride myself on, um, I never had a planner until my senior year of college. And um, one thing I, I wish I had it my freshman year, because I think some of the, the, the turmoil, some of the stress that I had, you know, throughout the years, it would have helped. But I had a to-do list. But one thing about a to-do list, you're kind of just looking at it, it'd be like 10 things on it, just dang, how the hell do we get all this done? And I would look at it every single day um, because I was a sticky note fiend. So a fiend kind of like for your audience, like I used to love sticky notes. So I will have like a sticky note in my book bag or I'll have like a pack of them in my book bag and I was just writing down different stuff, ideas that would come in my head. And some of my friends just like, dang, you always have sticky notes. I was like, man, like y'all may write stuff down in a journal, but like I need a little sticky note. I just used to love the sticky part and I just stick it somewhere, stick it on the desk, stick it on the wall. Um, but that trying to transition into, you know, having a planner, um, just really just trying my best to be organized um, and structured. But as a kid, no, um, I was really, really big on structure and organization because that's how my mom was um, all the time. Like you, you wouldn't leave your house if your bed wasn't made or like if she saw a piece of trash on your room. All right, let's back in the whole house. So like spring cleaning was a thing in my house. So, so we, we had a lot of we had a lot of structure like. From the simplest thing, like a mirror could be dirty or something like that. Like now we're cleaning all the mirrors in the house. So like everything was always kind of like put together. But once I got to college and I met some of my friends that their lives are a little bit different, that they weren't a little bit structured. I was like, oh, okay, well, they're doing all right. So we can let it loose a little bit. Um, So it was helpful. Yeah. And are you more of a digital planner or a physical planner person? I'm a physical um, mainly because, so I have two calendars in my room. I have one that's geared towards, you know, the, the weekly, um, type of thing. And then I have one that's geared towards, uh, monthly. Um, so okay. for like the month of May, we have like all the events for each like day, for 30 days. And then for the week, you have like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, type of thing. So I'm, I'm physical. I have to like write it down. Cause I feel like if I don't see it, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I want to forget it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel you. Yeah, I, I used to be a physical person. And then now I'm just like, okay, I like digital. I'm always on my phone. So I'm like, okay, let me just put this. But I, I but I have like in so many different places. Like I, I have it like on this app, on this reminder place, because I need to see it like constantly to remind me. Because my brain will be like, oh, we saw it, but we didn't really like I guess take action with the mm-hmm. with the task on the to do list. So now I feel you like sometimes like you know having that physical and writing it down is just like okay you know you really got to get this done right. Like it's not an option no more, but like you got to get it done. So yeah, I do both. I do both. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I know for a fact like as soon as I wake up, I kind of like look right there. Um, and then for the the digital, if I have like yeah, remind me in two days or remind me in a week. But like I can see it. Like if I'm waking up, I kind of just look at my calendar like, oh, okay, I can add that there. Oh, I have space there. Um, The same thing for the digital space as well. So, Got you. And now with structure, let us know what this structure of your life look like trying to write a book and also be SDA president. Like, let us know what that structure, what that process look like for you of wanting to write a book, first of all while still in school and, you know, by also still taking on leadership roles, like, what was that like for you? Yeah. So, um, November 6th, 2020 is when I woke up and said I wanted to write a book and, um, that whole entire dynamic, I was just like, what? Like, I just woke up and I was like, all right, let's, let's just go for it. And I was taking notes. Um, I was just writing down different ideas. I kind of just started typing on my, my MacBook of different things I wanted to talk about. Um, but the whole theme of the book, cause it's called Prosper. That's why I have this shirt on, <laughs> but the whole theme of the book, um, came to talk about the SGA presidency was just my upbringing of just finding myself and how I was able to just, um, create my own identity of just being an identical twin and just talk about some of the successes and some of the things that I've struggled with throughout the upbringing of, of course, not having a, a father in my life, of course, just being an identical twin, of um, having a constant comparison between us both and just finding a, a, a common ground and get back to my roots of who I am. Cause that's what prosper is about. Just getting back to your roots of finding out who you are um, from the beginning, because as kids, we don't have any worries in the world, but it's like when you become an adult, when you graduate, um, you're pretty much like thrown into the world. It's like, Hey, you have this, 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 this to do, but like you're kind of closed off to some of those things throughout the development. And the essence of prospering is to as serves as a reminder that, not only if you don't want to become the SJ president, but whatever you whatever you want to do is serve as a reminder of getting back to your roots of who you were before anything happened for you. You know, just to really, you know, find out who that person you want to be. Um, and it can look like, you know, looking at someone it's like, hey, I, I love the work that you're doing. You know, I would love to connect type of thing, you know, in this space now. Or it can look like, hey, um, I would love to, you know, have the opportunity to sit for lunch. You know, just different dynamics of just connecting. Um, so the book came. Um, with that journey, I remember three, meeting three people. Um, one person was a person at the school. He previously published a book. Um, and I was just reached out to him and said, hey, like, I'm interested in writing a book. I really would love your help. And he was just like, all right, cool. Like, I'll help you. So throughout the course of the year, he helped me for free. Literally, we would meet bi-weekly. He would talk to me, different ideas, brainstorm different ideas. Because um, Prosper wasn't the original name of the book. The original name was Everything is Not Okay. Um, it was just like, no, I need, I want you to think like bigger. I want you to think something that just like pushes, of course you, but like, just think of something that, you know, will really like sends uh, an encouraging thing to the people because the book is, of course you wrote the book. So the book 
is not only for you, but think about it, who is it for? Who does it serve? Um, so we came up with Prosper, um, and that, again, talks about getting to your roots, getting to who you are and who you wish to be. And um, Everything is Not Okay is the first chapter, so that talks about um, my journey of just uh, being an identical twin and how um, that kind of how I was raised in my household, what are some of the things that I went through. Um, then I met a second person. So this person I met in January, and we were talking about um, – just connecting. She wrote five books. The first book sold for 25,000 copies. So I was like, yeah, I need to work with her because I'm trying to sell 25,000 copies too. And I remember um, in this piece when we were talking, um, I was really in that stage. Um, I had just finished or just I was getting ready to finish my part of uh, my manuscript before editing. Um, and I was talking with her and I was saying, hey, I'm a little nervous to release the world, my book. And she immediately stopped me there. She's like, you're nervous? And I was like, yeah, I'm nervous. She's like, all right, cool. We don't have anything else to talk about. And I'm like, wait, we don't have anything else to talk about? Are you, are you serious? Like, she's like, well, I don't usually work with people that are nervous or like scared. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, so we don't have anything. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm not nervous. Like, I'm, I'm really passionate. It's just like some of the stuff I'm talking about. Like, I, I don't know how people will receive it. She was like, let me tell you something. A lot of the books that I wrote, a lot of people didn't receive it the right way. But you know what I did? I still wrote it. I still wanted it because I knew somebody had to read it. I knew it was somebody because somebody had to hear my story. And if you want somebody to hear your story, then you should be writing. Then you should feel confident. She was like, before I help you, I need to do this one thing for 30 days. She said, I need you to say these affirmations. I'm confident. I'm a black male and I'm an author. She said, before I help you, I need you to either send me a voice memo. I need you to send me a text. It could be in bold. It could be italics. She said, it don't matter what it is. For 30 days, she said, you can call me. Whatever, whatever time of the day you're feeling like, I'm confident I'm a black male and I'm an author. I need you to say this 30 days, not to not just to yourself, but you need to say it to me because this is proof that you're serious about what your story is. You're serious because I, I already wrote my books. She told me I already wrote my books and they, they've been really successful. She was like, well, you want my help. So I need something for you before you receive my help. So between like that 15 to like 30 day period, I was like, Dang, like we we in the middle. Like I still gotta keep doing this. Are you kidding? She's like, yeah, come on. We got 15 days left. Let's go. And I was like, all right. So I remember like this pumping. I think it was like on day like 11, day 12, and I sent her like a big message like, I'm confident. I'm a black male. I'm off. And she was like, yes. She was on like that. Oh, I sent her voice memos. Um, and then after the 30 days, she just just helped me as far as like the licensing, as far as like how to just like reach out and just reaching out to people as far as who you wanted to work with and just throwing yourself out there because like you never know what's going to come back but you at least have to put it out there and she was just giving me so much you know games so much ideas and you know just encouraging me and I was like dang like this is what it takes so then after that um finishing off the third person I met was a friend of my fraternity uh, well my fraternity brother um I was already done the first editorial stage but I just needed one person else to edit that was really, really knowledgeable on like book writing. Um, so I reached out to him and um, he reviewed like the manuscript in about a week or so. And he was like, all right, I'm gonna work with you because we, I need you to, you know, edit this piece. And um, I was like, well, bro, like I don't have any more money to put else into this book. <laughs> like, if you can help, he was like, oh, I, I wasn't gonna charge you for anything. Like, I just, I really wanna help. So for the next three and a half months, he literally like, we were editing like, weekly, bi-weekly, like whenever the schedule like worked, he never charged me a dime. These three people I met, they never charged me a dime. They literally just said, rebook 
and I want you to be done with it. And I was like, what? You don't want you don't you don't want any money? Literally after we finished um the manuscript um in October. We finished in October, um so it was about three and a half months. Um we finished in October and I was like, Man, I gotta take you out to dinner, we gotta get um gotta do something, you know, to celebrate. He was like, Bro, that's fine. Like if, if you got time, sure, but you know, you don't have to do anything for me. Like just give me a free book, like and when the book signing comes, you know, make sure you sign my book for me. And I'm like, What? Are you kidding? And literally, I, I just knew that was the essence of prospering throughout the whole entire thing, like getting to your roots, because these people were already grounded in who they were. They just weren't in the hand. And oftentimes you don't find people like that. So that's always my encouragement to people that, you know, is in the process of building a brand, building something like go out. Like it's going to be confusing at first, but jump in the water. You know, that's the first thing. It's going to be confusing. But just like riding a bike, you never knew how to ride a bike until you start pedaling. And now you circle the block with all your friends. You know, and then the second thing, you know, you, it's going to you have to find your way. You know, you're going to meet people along the way. Don't be afraid to connect. And the last thing is, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, deter you. your dream. The dream is literally essential. But like you will literally have, you know, m moments or decisions that you have to make that um, that will have detours. But that doesn't mean the dream is not still there. That doesn't mean the dream is not still active. There's another way to get to the dream. And you just have to continue to believe in it. Because once you believe in it, everyone around you will start to feed off of your energy. Everyone around you will start to feed off everything that you set out for yourself. Talk about it. Speak to people about it. Doesn't matter what it is. If you want it, it's right there in front of you. So that that was that was my whole full circle moment of just being an SJA president because it was hard. Like writing um, during that time, serving. Um, so I would literally block out time, and say, "Hey friends, I can't I can't meet today. I'm writing today, even if for two hours." Because even at home during winter break. I would sit at the computer for about four or five hours and have nothing on my paper. And my mom would come downstairs and say, Jeremiah, let's go to bed. Let's just, let's go to bed. I'm like, okay, whatever. And I'll come back. So I just believed in it. Like that was, that was my biggest thing. I believed in it. And people believed in me. Um, those three people that I, I really loved them dearly. So. Yeah. Well, first, congratulations on writing the book and putting yourself out there because it's not easy to be vulnerable, especially in today's society. Cause Listen, some people don't even want to write an Instagram caption about their life, <laughs> you know, and you went and you did a whole book, um, like on your life and, you know, your identity. Like, was there moments when you wrote your book where you're just like, wow, I didn't know that I had this feeling about myself? Yes. Um, I think I was working on chapter four, which is Eagle Booster. Um, and excuse me, chapter three is Eagle Booster. But chapter three, I was talking about, you know, my, my ego of how I was able to just be in a position where because a lot of times like we have this like ego where we're like we just think we're like the best. We're, we're encouraging ourselves, whatever. Or we're just kind of like bashing ourselves or just trying to find our way. Um, so when I was writing that chapter, um, I found out that um, I'm actually a great writer. Um, I may not be the best in like punctuation and stuff like that because yeah. I never had when I was younger, but like. I had a story to talk about, you know, I had something to say. And um, for a while, I never thought I did. Um, even with being an SJA president, I, I was a person where um, I had a hard time delegating. I just wanted to put everything on myself um, and make sure I got it done right instead of delegating. So that that was one thing I found out was I had a hard time delegating um, to my staff. And then um, I had a voice I had. So it came as a, a cousin with each other, like the voice part of making sure that um, 
I can get the job done as far as SGA or writing a book. And then two, one thing, another thing I discovered was as far as delegating, they both work together. So yeah. once I utilized my voice, I was able to delegate. Once I utilized my voice, I was able to decide if this piece wasn't right for this or if I didn't want to talk about this, then that's fine. But um, those are the two things I kind of discovered about myself. You know, once I got to the top, between three and four, it was like, dang, like, I do have a voice. I have a story to tell. And um, I just have to stay encouraged to really just say, hey, like someone's going to want to hear this. So. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, one thing that you said was that like I might my I might not be the best of punctuation because I know a lot of people like we let minor things stop us from really accomplishing big things. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know how to do this, so I'm not gonna like. But you know how to do like everything else. Like, there might mm-hmm. be a task of ten things. Like, like you want to apply for a job. Like, there might be like 30 parts of your responsibility and you may not like know how to do two things and we don't go for it. So I think that's important. Like that was really important what you said, because sometimes even if we don't know how to do the one thing, we can find somebody to help us. We can find somebody, you know, along the way that's going to be like, I'm not going to let you go out bad. Like you had the three people to really help you and to stay with you um, along. And I, and I think when we have those experiences in our lives, it makes us want to reach out our hand to be that for somebody else, like 10 times more. Like I've right. seen the people with lives help me. So why, why not help that other person? Why not try to like be that hand to somebody else? And I feel like once we continue like to do that, like lend a hand, somebody's going to lend their hand back and then someone's going to lend their hand back. Like that's why I love helping people. I love, you know, just like doing something like you don't tra- gotta charge me, bro. Like you need help. Like just call me. Just let me know. Let me look at my calendar first too. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's, I feel like when we help people out, it's so beautiful. It's the connection. We give them a space to be open and vulnerable, um, where they don't have to feel like they have to hold things in. That's definitely true. Because a lot of times, um, a lot of people, you know, are afraid to ask for help and you, Put yourself out there. Like when they see other people are out there doing the work they want to do and then they ask and then they're like, oh, like, yeah, I'll help you. And it's like, oh, you, you will? And it's like, yeah, like, I, I don't have no problem. Like, let's circle back. Let's check our schedule, like you said. And like, let's get to work because um, the first person I met, um, his only objective, just like the second person was to do the affirmations. He just told me to say, like, if you're serious and like, and you're dedicated, then I'm going to help you. Like, just don't say you want to do something and you're not going to want to do it because yeah. then I feel like the work that we're trying to do, the person that you're trying to become will be diminished. Um, so that's always my main thing. If I'm working with someone um, that, or someone that asks for help or they're trying to create a project or a dream or just brainstorm ideas off of me, like one, like believe in what you, what you are capable of. Like whatever I say is just advice. You don't have to take everything I'm saying. You don't even have to use anything I'm saying. This is just a person from looking from the outside in based on experience. The second thing is, you know, just be in a position where no matter what comes along your journey, no matter what mountains in your way, that you do not sink to the bottom and literally tell yourself, I can't do it because I, I feel like I can't, I can do anything. You know, I always tell yeah. people I'm unstoppable and they're like, what? They're like, yeah, I, I really am. Just as much as I don't have bad days, I have bad moments and those moments decide my days. So just, so, mm. just as much as you can choose. You know what you want to do today you can choose as much how you feel you can choose as much how you want to say or respond to different things you know so i, I definitely feel like in every situation like anybody's capable and i'm always willing to help anybody that you know believes in it or in a position where like they're just you know just lost or trying to figure it out 
um, because I think that's a wonderful place to create some type of new understanding. Yeah, we definitely got to like believe in ourselves to like want help and to like receive help as well, because, you know, like sometimes I mean, I how I was gonna say, I'm, how I'm gonna say this, how I really wanna say this. Like sometimes people, like they really just need that boost of encouragement. Well, but once you, but once I give you that boost, and you mm-hmm. like, okay, like, okay, Juju, I'm feeling myself. Then we can really work because it's like you know, because I've been there, like where people tell me about myself, and I'm like, oh, I don't feel it. Be mm-hmm. like, okay, but I don't. I don't feel it. And they sit down and have a conversation and they work with me. And it's just like, okay, I feel it. Okay. Thank you so much. Like, you know, I'm able to do it. Cause you know, like I was, cause from my background and growing up, I've been to so many places. I've seen so many people. So I guess like, I'm always like, you may not tell me your story, but somehow I'm going to be able to identify with a part or be able to be like, Oh, I can, I can understand that a little bit, or I can sympathize with it. Even if I don't really been through it so when so when people like come to me and they ask for help and you know as you were just saying like you have to believe in yourself you got to believe in yourself to do some of the things because the process is not easy like bringing an idea to life that's the hardest thing ever because we know so many people who just keep an idea inside Mm -hmm. you know people will keep like why didn't you do it i I don't whatever excuse they have but like to bring an idea to life to have a physical project like merch that's that's like that's like real love to have that a book that's real life to have like it's not easy to bring something to life and put it like in the physical where people can actually see it yeah and just talking about what you were just saying um bringing something to life right um, I remember me, you know, in those stages when I was writing, I was telling, literally, I was telling everybody I was writing a book because they were just like, oh, what are you going to talk about? And I was telling them what I'm talking about. I'm like, oh, that sounds so cool. When is it going to be done? I'm like, yeah, it's going to be, I don't know yet, but uh, it's going to be done. You know, I was trying not to set a date. It's going to be done. I was telling them, you know, what I wanted to talk about. I was just telling many, many people. And I think a lot of people sometimes um, they're in a position where they're afraid to share because they may not believe the idea is not going to come when other people want it to happen, you know, and it's not, it's not, it's not on other people. And I had to tell myself that because I remember the first time I wanted my book to be released in May as a graduation gift and May came and we just got finished our first edit. We needed to go do another one. And everyone's like, Oh, when's the book coming out? I'm like, soon, you know, I said May, but it's coming soon now. <laughs> and I remember again, I thought it was going to be finished in August. And um, I was taking pictures, I was doing photo shoots, I was just doing like different press release. And I was like, yep, it's not here yet, but it's coming. I was telling people it's coming. And then um, the perfect timing came when November 19th came and we did our book sign. And I was like, dang, this is perfect. Like, and people were asking me when um, the book signed, I'm like, dang, you're not crying. You're not doing anything right now. Like, you're just so confident. You're just so like, I'm like, man, you don't know for the last few months, like I was already crying. I was in the room by myself. Nobody was there telling me nothing. I had to, I just had to figure it out. You know, I had to literally say like, this idea will be real life. Like the idea will be real life. And in real life, my idea will be true. To me, to everyone else, to anybody that saw me along this journey, that idea will be true to me. It will be the new reality. It will no longer be in my head. It will no longer be on a piece of paper. It would literally be once I ordered my 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 hard copies, once I ordered those test run copies of it and I saw it, I was like, dang, this is real life. Like this is real life. And the investment, the return on investment came true for me. So 
I definitely have to say that as far as, you know, bring your idea to life. It's just, you know, stay true. Like you can make deadlines, but even if those deadlines don't hit, still tell people your story. Don't quit on it. Still yes. tell people it's coming. It's coming because when it does come, you're literally manifesting something before it happens. You're literally having faith in the unknown. You're literally believing in anything that you set your mind to before it actually even happens. So um, that that was so encouraging for me with anything uh, anything I do now. Like I, if I can't see it right now, I'm I'm still telling the story. Yeah. Wow. That encouraged me, honestly, just now, because I had an event that I wanted to put out this year and I'm pushing it back to next year. And as mm -hmm. you were talking about that, I'm like, OK, today, like still speak about it, like still speak about the event, still going to say it's coming because <laughs> I I can be the first person to say, like, when I see a deadline that I don't that I miss, I'm like, I start to get down on myself, like. Oh my gosh, you missed the deadline and or you pushed it back. But that really encouraged me like to say, like, still still speak about it. Still tell people it's coming because it's gonna come. It may not be coming when I wanted it to come at mm -hmm. the deadline I wanted it to happen, but it's still gonna happen. <laughs> so like I, I don't know. I was gonna say no, no, like you, I was saying you gotta still tell the story. That's the only thing I say. Oh yeah, I, I'm still going. I'm still going like work with it. I'm still going to do it. So like that was really encouraging, like for me, because like I was like honestly this past week that just passed, like I had to tell my like one of my team members, like okay, like I finally came to the decision. I'm going to push this event back. Um, I'm going to be okay with it. <laughs> I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but I'm still going to do everything that we have to do to make sure that when the time does come, like the event does happen, everything does go good. Cause I had put myself out there. I was like the video, the promo video already out there, <laughs> the promo video when you said the time. And mm -hmm. it's like, now I'm about to like, like push back. But I was like, I'd rather like come, I'd rather like say it's coming instead of putting something out there where I'm squirming in the do, or I'm like pressuring myself to put out there. And it's not to the best of my capabilities. Like, like you said, you put out your book at the right time and everything happened for a reason. Like it was the best timing for you because you, we never know what like will happen if we, we try to like push something where we know the deadline is not mm -hmm. going to happen. Definitely true. Something. And now, like, with the book and post-grad, how has that part of your life been like? Um, it's been amazing. Um, I think once I release, or even before releasing, because I graduated, of course, uh, and after graduating, I was still working on the book. Um, just meeting many, many people um, and just talking about my book every chance I got. Um, and it's kind of amazing where um, I tell people my age, oh, dang, you wrote a book at 23? I still didn't finish my book yet, and I always still wanted to write one. I'm like, Hey, like people literally have these dreams and they table it. And I looked at um, when I first started and I just jumped in, like I didn't know anything about writing a book. And um, I still continue, uh, I still want to be in a position where I write more books. You know, this may not even be, you know, my best book I ever write. You know, it just may just be the startup to many, many books. But at least I can say, you know, I acted upon a dream, you know, something that I wanted for myself. Um, and I was thinking back at that when. I was an undergrad and I was writing. And then once I graduated, it was the same thing. Um, even though I didn't release it at the same time I wanted, um, I still told that story, like I said. So um, once the book actually came out and people were like buying the book off of Amazon or even off my website, and I was buying um, different uh, marketing materials to put in like, packaging and ship it, I literally felt like this dream had like 
doubled times two. Like it was a full circle moment where I, I was signing books. I was encouraging people. People were like, oh yeah, I need a book. And then I remember one event, one of my friends um, from a mutual friend, he had asked me to come speak at one of his events. Um, and then he awarded me, you know, like a certificate for like $500. And he bought all the books for all his guests there, like all the books. And mind you, I didn't even have, I already knew I was going to sign books there, but I only bought like 10 books because I didn't know if like people were going to like pay for them. I just at least wanted to have some type of like um, for people to buy. He was just like, yeah, everybody here is going to get a free book. And it was like 40 to 50 people in there. I'm like, dude, um, I only have 10 books. So we're going to have to circle back. I'm going to bring you the rest. But I only have 10 books. And a lot of people, I felt like when I came up with the book and I was literally um, placing myself in a position where everything I said was like true to me, people were believing it. People literally felt like, oh, this guy is really living by what he's saying. He's not faking it. Um, and through social media platforms or through just meeting people, I always try to show my authentic self, no matter who I'm encountering, because I feel like that's the best version of who you are. And that's how I found myself with writing my book. That's how I found myself to prosper. That's how I found myself to just say, Jeremiah, like, you got this. At the end of the day, no matter what comes, um, you got it. So take as many risks as possible. It doesn't matter if you fail. Um, doesn't matter if you know, people are not noticing it. Somebody's going to notice. Somebody's watching you all the time. Um, doesn't matter if, how many likes or retweets or whatever. Like, because I think sometimes we get caught up in that space of, you know, that um, it's just that validation from others, and ultimately, um, that what makes that's what makes people stop. And I felt like, um, for me, what kept me going was I'm going to tell my story no matter if you like it or not, because you may be my closest friend, and you may not even buy my book. And a lot of people haven't, like my closest friends, haven't even bought my book. And I felt like in that space, I was like, dang, like, I thought we was homies. Like, I bought your clothes before. I bought, I supported you, like, um, in some type of facet. And, you know, I had to remind myself that um, exchanging appreciation, exchanging expectation for appreciation was starting to be my motto this year um, after watching Inky Johnson's podcast, Serendipity, which talks about, you know, in a position where we are today, expecting stuff literally is not the way to go appreciating the opportunity to be in that space is the way to go so instead of expecting my friends to buy my book instead of them expecting them to support some of my plans or some of my events i appreciate the friendship that they have i appreciate them saying like i'm proud of you like my words of affirmation is like my love language like if someone says something to me and like and they confidently and i know they wholeheartedly mean it mean it like that goes a long way so I had to get out of that space like, dang, they didn't buy anything. Like, I wrote this book. You're supposed to be my closest friends. We've been friends since freshman year. We've been friends for 10 years. You didn't buy my book. And it's like, dude, like, chill. Like, just relax. And um, just appreciate the value that they have in your life. So. Yes. I think that's that's a good way to look at life, look at things, because I we can get caught up on, like, you, you start pinpointing friends, like, I remember uh -huh. you. I remember you. I remember you. Just like, hold up, wait. Like, hold up. Like, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still probably like sitting on a phone call with you. Like, you know, talking to you. I might not have the money to buy it or even just buy mm -hmm. it, but I'm still here as a friend. And I think that's a good way to look about it. Um, I think for us, generally in life. Um, now, if somebody wants to um buy this book, can they like still go on Amazon or on your website? Yes. So, um, it's on Amazon. Um. Prosper My Path to the Presidency, How Overcoming Identity Led Me to Become SGA President. 
Or if you like, you can just visit jeremiahobryant.com and purchase online. Um, you can also purchase the merchandise or you can purchase the book. Okay, great. So yeah, I heard that. Um, and then we're also going to put it like in like the description and y'all know every Monday we always post on uh, our Instagram as well. So we're going to link it, everything there as well. So you can have like easy access to get into the website um, and get it to, um, to like get merch and get the book. So um, to wrap this up, what advice would you give to anybody um, just right now in school or just in general? Like what's one piece of advice you want to tell somebody? Yes. Um, the biggest advice I would tell someone is to like take time to relax and reset. And I say that wholeheartedly as a person that was so used to just being in a position where I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. I want to create this event. I want to have all these people support. I want to just um, invest in myself. I want to do all of this. And I never got a chance to say, Jeremiah, you know, just relax, especially in college and reset. And even now in post-grad, um, I always encourage myself every day to just take a moment to just do nothing. Literally just an hour or two hours just to say, if it was in the morning, it could be 5.30 in the morning, or it could be late at night, just to sit with myself and just say, this is my time. You know, not on the phone with anyone, not, no TV on, no social media, just really just sit with my thoughts. Um, so as an encouragement, uh, I really encourage people, just take that time for yourself to relax and reset and be in a position where you're exchanging expectation for appreciation. Appreciate people for who they are, where they hold themselves in in your life, but don't expect anything from them. Don't expect anything in return from them just because you are now successful or you're building your brand, whatever it is. Appreciate who they are and what place they hold in your life. Because at the end of the day, if they hold some sort of value or, um, in your life, they, they're not going to go anywhere. Um, and especially if you hold value in their life, then you won't move anywhere anyway. Don't expect anything, but appreciate everything. Yes. Again, I love that advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make sure we like place that everywhere because I think we all need to hear it, whether we're in college still or even like post grad. Like we need to know because sometimes we can listen to other podcasts and we can listen to other people and we're like, oh no, they're not supporting you. And you hear the people like support your friends don't support you and like you know it starts to have this negative connotation. So right. I'm gonna make sure we blast that everywhere because so people know about it because that I think how it's worded and what it means is very much important for us and our society nowadays. That's, that's, I definitely yes. agree. Yeah. So BBK family, um, you know, every Monday we post, um, we post on here, we post on Instagram. Um, we about to start posting on TikTok um, just to give more exposure. Um, so if you want to follow us there, I'm going to put everything um, in our bio, in our description. Um, but, on Monday, we're going to be posting um, so you can connect with Jeremiah, um, follow, ask, even ask him questions um, and all of that. So just know you're going to be able to know who he is a little bit more. So without further ado, we love y'all and we have a great rest of your week.